So uh, we're going to go ahead and jump right into our message this morning. We're still in James, obviously. Uh, the title of our series is Learning and Living a Faith That Works. We're on week number nine. Uh, this week we're going to be in James 4, st- uh, starting with verse number 13 and finishing up with uh, chapter number 4 uh, with verse number 17. So again, we just want to remind you of our main theme for our, our, our time together, and that's James 1.4b, uh, that you may be made perfect or mature and complete, lacking in nothing. So we are growing, we are working in becoming who God wants us to be, and that is a big deal and a big part of who we are as a church and as a congregation, and so that's important as we look forward to what God has for us today, this understanding that we are here to grow and here to experience an understanding that we maybe didn't have before. But today, as we jump into James chapter 4, or the end of James chapter 4, we're going to be looking at this theme or this section, and we're going to be calling this theme Independence versus Dependence. Independence versus Dependence. Now, I understand that basically our culture, and as we are as Americans, we put a great emphasis on independence. That's a big deal in our understanding. We want to be independent. We don't want things to be tying us down or holding us down. We want to have independence. And that is a great, wonderful thing. The problem is, is we can't allow that, that concept of independence to get so wrapped up in our mindset that we allow that to skew how we should understand our dependence on God. And basically what James is going to be talking about here is this concept of being independent versus dependent as we jump right in. So before we do, let's look at, starting with verse number 13 in chapter 4, let's just read it. There's just a couple chap- or a couple of verses here, and let's look at it together. It says, Come now, you who say, tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we will go in such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. This is something that people would have done all the time. They would have come and they would have gone to a town, they would have begin to sell and trade and kind of do those sort of things and then they would leave. So, so their hearers here, James's hearers, understand this lifestyle completely. It was something that they did quite a bit. And let's go on to number 14. It says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So, whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Father, we love you and we need you right now. Father, I need you to help me to share your words. And Father, everybody else needs your help that that your spirit would open their hearts to what you want to communicate to them right now. Because God, I believe that you're individual and you speak different things to different people because they're in different places. And so Father, I pray that every individual would open their hearts to you and be open to whatever you desire to share with them today. Because God, we need you. Really, that's what this is all about. We need you. We can't do this on our own. We weren't designed to do this on our own. We need to be dependent on you. And so, Father, as we look at these things together, Father, let our independence kind of go down a little bit. Let our dependence on you grow so that we can become more like you and know that you have a great plan for us. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to start with point number one. It's quite simply this, a caution against an attitude of arrogant independence from God. A caution against an attitude of arrogance, independence 
from God. And basically, we're going to look here at James 13 and 14, and then we're going to jump down to 16. It says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. We start here, James kind of brings us in with this understanding of, hey, I want to make sure you see this. He kind of puts up a caution sign. He kind of puts up that little sign that says, hey, you need to be aware of that. We just moved into our new house, and we're very excited. We still have boxes all over the place, which is, which is great because we're, we got everything moved into the house. But I'm kind of, I, I'm, I'm a little bit weird in this area. I have that saying that basically everything has a place and everything in its place. And not everything is in its place right now. And it's kind of like causing me some, some anxiety, you know. So, but we're getting it all moved in. And we, we, as we were coming home a couple of days ago, we have a neighbor and they have some kids, which is great. And so we have some kids that live next to us. And basically the mom had put out this little green short boy thing because it has a ball cap so I'm assuming it's a boy and it has a flag have you seen these things and basically it's like hey pay attention there are kids here playing basically be careful because you know there's kids all around this area and it's a it's a warning it's a caution it's trying to get your attention it's bright green because it's wanting you to see that there are kids around And it's something that this is kind of what James is doing. He's saying, listen, I'm going to give you a caution here. I want you to see this. I'll put it in green. I'll put it out there. I'll put it in light so that you understand that this can be a problem and that we have to deal with it. So he starts here with this idea of a caution, of saying, listen, you need to be aware of this. You need to be aware that there can be some arrogant independence in your life. And let's look, first of all, at some characteristics of that. Let's look at some characteristics of arrogant independence according to James. Because James basically does this throughout his book. He'll basically say something, and then he'll spell out what he is saying about it. This is exactly what he does here. So we're going to start here and look at this. Let's look at some characteristics of arrogant independence according to James. Number one, there is a failure to factor God into life. If you look at the verses that we just looked at, Okay, you got to understand something here. The problem here, the caution, is not planning. Okay? Everybody understand that. Okay? The problem here is not planning. The problem here is that nowhere do we see God involved in the planning. Nowhere do we see God's uh, spirit or God's leading in that. And so basically, when we think we can do it all on our own, when we're all independent, we're arrogant in our independence, hey, I got this, we don't factor God into life. God kind of becomes secondary or or even worse. It just becomes something else. So we don't look at these things. And so we don't factor him in. And so what usually happens, let's be honest, is we kind of think we know what we're doing. We got this. And then we go down that road. And usually, or not usually, sometimes it can lead to problems or situations that cause issues in our lives. Now... Let me help you with something else, okay? Because I, I was talking to a friend of mine just the other day, and, and, and they said something, and I had this, this moment of great pastoral wisdom, and I realized if I shared it, I would probably get slapped, okay? So I'm going to share it with you because you're farther away from me than he was, okay? Maybe, hold on. Let's go up here, okay? God's leading of you. And you involving God in, the, in your life does not mean that your life will not have pain in it. 
Okay? I was talking to this friend of mine, and he was basically saying, well, God wouldn't bring us here if it wasn't supposed to be good. And I was like, that doesn't always work out that way. Okay? I always use this example because it's the best one. Jesus did everything God wanted him to do, and it led him to the cross. That was difficult. That was hard. That was not a fun moment. Now, there was victory in it because there's always victory. But if you think, if I just follow God, and if I just factor him in my life, then my life will be peachy keen, jelly bean. It doesn't work that way. In fact, Jesus said the opposite. He said, in this life, you are going to have trouble. But we have to understand here, James is not criticizing planning. He's saying when we plan, we factor God into that. The next thing, there is a failure to understand our own limitations. There is a failure to, to see that. See, we, we got to understand in this situation, when we look at James 13 and 14, we forget here that we don't know what tomorrow holds. Because we don't know. You don't know what the next five minutes hold. And we have limitations. And we have those limitations... For a reason and a purpose. And that purpose, a lot of times, is that helps us to run to God. It helps us understand that we do have dependence on Him. That we do have limitations. Now, I understand something in my life. I understand that there are certain things that I do a pretty good job in. Okay? Like all of us. We have talents and we are good at certain things. And I understand that there are certain things I am not good at. I am not a good person when it comes to home stuff. Okay, now, I know what a screwdriver is. If you said, bring me a flathead, I would know what that means. But I'm not good at some of that sort of stuff. I need help. If I tried to do all those things, I would wreck the house. Now, what's amazing about God, okay, is that I married a builder's daughter. So she does. And so we're putting blinds up yesterday. And I'm trying to figure out how do we do this. And I can't screw through this. And she's like, well, you got to go get a, a drill bit. And we'll drill through this. And she's up there doing it. And I'm literally, I'm, I'm so sorry. I just got to be honest. So we're sitting there. And she's up there. And I'm holding, I'm handing her screws. You know, and all this sort of stuff. And I'm sitting there. And I'm thinking, if somebody drives by and sees my wife up there doing this and sees me, they're going to be like, Oh, that's great, dude. You have your wife up there doing it. And I'm like, I don't know how, you know. And so she's up there. Listen, I know my limitations. I know that if I had tried to put the blinds up, we would still have sheets on the walls or on the windows. Hey, you know what? Limitations are not bad. Limitations are not a bad thing. Because here's the thing. God provided me with a wife who is awesome at that sort of stuff. So she thrives in that. She uses God's gifting in those things. You know what is not a good situation? When we try to do everything. When we try to do everything, we usually don't do anything very well. So it's okay to understand, hey, I'm not good at this. Hey, I need God's help in this. That's a great thing to understand. But when we're arrogant, we don't understand that. We think we can do it all. We think we got it all. We think we're in control of it all. And that's not something that will help us in our understanding of dependence. Next, there is a failure to understand the unpredictability of life. There is a failure to understand the unpredictability of life. Now, once a youth pastor, always a youth pastor, okay? So you got to go with me here for a second, okay? And I'm stealing this from my youth pastor when I was in youth. But I remember hearing this story. You know, it was always, life is but a vapor. Remember that? 
Life is but mist. Here today, it's gone tomorrow. So I have brought a little mister. Are you ready? Here, I'll get in the light so you can really see it. According to James, this is life. That's it. Here we go. Ready? Your life. My life. Her life. His life. There it is. It's gone. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We do know that life is this. Shouldn't have walked right into it. We do know life is that. I mean, that's all it is. In the scope of all eternity, that's it. Now, now here's the thing. We can look at this as a positive or a negative. Because what I see in this is a situation where we go, listen, this is all I got. I'm going to make it count. I'm going to use what I have for God. I'm not going to waste my time living in a pig pen when I don't belong there. I belong in my father's house doing things for my father. But this is all we got. Listen, heaven forbid you leave this place and in this week something happens. But we don't know. We don't know. All we know is that we have a very short amount of time. And I remember as a kid hearing that, and, and it, was, it, was always, it was always portrayed as a negative. And I don't want it to be a negative. I want you to understand that, yes, life is a vapor. Life is mist. It'll go quick. But let's not focus in on how quick life is. Let's focus in on making life count. Because whatever we got left... Whatever we have, whether it's five years or five minutes or 50 years, we can use it for God. But we won't use it as effectively as we need to if we don't understand that we need him. I can't do this without him. You can't do what you need to do without him. So we don't have time to waste. I've had people come up to me and say, well, you're kind of harsh. And boy, you're kind of this and you're kind of that. You know, you're, you're, kind of, you're kind of just move and groove. You know, you say how it is. And you, but you know why? We don't have time. I don't have time. The world's going to hell in a handbasket, guys. We don't have time to sit there and go, well, you know, I got I to gotta kind of make it soft and flowery. And, and when I was a kid, we called them warm fuzzies. I want it always to be in love. And that's the way it always should be. But at the same time, life is a vapor. We don't have tomorrow. And when we're independent and we're arrogant about it, we got plenty of time. We got plenty of time. We don't have to worry about it. Next, there is a failure to see our own pride and arrogance. There's a failure there. We don't see it. We, we basically look at things and we think, oh, we're good. We're good. Listen, one of the things I always want us to understand, and we all need to do this, every single person, me too, okay? When we hear the word of God being shared, whether it's from in this place or on a podcast of a pastor you like or whatever it is, we always have to go into that understanding that, you know what? He's talking to me. He's talking to me. God has something for me to understand right now. Why? Because life is but a vapor and it's going to be gone pretty quick. And God wants to use that moment to you to grow. What we do sometimes is we say, this isn't for me. And there's that arrogant independence that says God doesn't have something for me today. God has something for all of us every day. We have to understand that. Some examples, and I want to talk about these. Some examples of some people that showed that were Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve showed this, this unbelievable arrogance and independence. And it starts right from the beginning. 
So an example of that is found in Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, 5 through 7, it says this. This is, this is Satan speaking, the snake. He says, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat of it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Now look at verse number 6. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open, and they suddenly felt ashamed at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. This this independence, this, this feeling like, I don't need God. I can get this on my own. It started at the beginning. It started at the beginning. Where Adam and Eve looked at it and said, God, I don't necessarily need you. If, listen, if I can just get this fruit, I don't need you as much anymore. Because I can have this wisdom that you have held out on me on. It's independence. It's arrogance. It comes from a place that is all deep inside of all of us. Which is this idea of pride. And this idea of, of wanting to make sure that I can do it on my own. Next, James moves into this, a course correction to live in humble dependence on God. Look at James 4, 15. It says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or do that. Instead, so he basically says, listen, this is the way you're going. This is a problem. Let's adjust where we're going so that we put God in all this. So when you're planning, God's a part of that. When you're looking at your life, God's a part of that. When you're trying to figure out what to do, God's a part of that. And I look at this and I try to try to do this. And I don't always, but I try to let God be a part of every decision that I make. Now, does that mean that I try to go, God, what should we have for dinner? No. But in decisions that matter, decisions that are important, I want God to be a part of that. And I always want to be open to any time that God will speak and say, listen, you need to look at this direction. You need to look in this way. Because sometimes it's a situation where God, I'll be going along and everything will be fine. And then God will say, hit the brakes, take a right hand turn here. And we want to be able to do that. We want to understand that it's not our plans. It's not what we want. It's what God's plans for our our life is and what God wants. We get away from that self-centered understanding and we move more into a God-centered understanding where God is the center of everything, not us. Sometimes I would joke with teenagers, I would say, you know, just, just, just so you know, the sun does not revolve around you. But we do have that issue. We think that sometimes. So what do we need to do? What does that look like? What are characteristics of humble dependence, according to James? First, it's quite simply, there is an understanding of the lordship of God. There's an understanding of the lordship of God. Understanding that God is not just savior, he's lord, he's in charge. We, 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 we have to acquiesce to him. When, when Jesus came and he died and he gave his life for ours, we in turn give our lives to God. God becomes in charge. We've talked about this before. This idea of ransom. The idea of, of redemption. You give something and you get something back. If I'm going to redeem a coupon, I'm going to take my coupon. I'm going to go to the store. I want product A. I'm going to take my coupon or my, and I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to get something out of it. When Jesus gave himself... 
And we get the forgiveness and the love and the grace and all that sort of stuff. We have said to Jesus, Jesus, I'm yours. I am yours. What you say goes. I am the clay. You are the potter. We understand the lordship of Christ. We understand that he's in charge of our lives. And listen, just so you understand this, so we get this, he is much better at this than you are. Okay? Okay? Sometimes we look at lordship and we go, oh man, I can't believe I have to give my life over to God. Listen, you don't know what's going to happen in 30 seconds. He knows everything. He's probably someone that you want to have in charge. Okay, if you're trying to get to downtown Denver and you've never gone to downtown Denver, you probably ought to listen to someone who's been to downtown Denver to get you there. If you come to me and say, how do you get to downtown Denver? You'll probably end up in Fort Collins. I don't know. And you don't know. But God does. And we can look at him and let him lead us. Next, there needs to be an understanding of God's sovereignty. There needs to be an understanding of God's sovereignty. What does sovereignty mean? It's quite simply this. All things are under God's rule and control. God's in control. God got it. Listen, I know sometimes in life it seems like everything's going a million miles a minute. Everything's going crazy. Everything's nuts. Everything's problem. Listen, God is in control. He's got it. He's got it. And we got to understand that. We need to get to that place where we say, God, listen, I know at this time the world seems like it is going crazy. But God's still in control. God is still sovereign. He's in control of the situation. And finally, there needs to be a desire to hear and obey the leading of God. Now, I put hear and obey on purpose because we need to be able to want to hear that. Okay? A lot of times what we do in life is we don't want to hear... And so we don't have to then obey. We have a word for this. Are you ready? Selective hearing. I have been told, now I of course have never done this, okay? But I have been told that sometimes husbands can have selective hearing. All the husbands are very nervous right now. Of course, you know, make sure, obviously just so you know, I'm not speaking to any of the husbands in this place. I don't think. But we do that. And we say, listen, if I don't hear it, I don't have to obey it. And what's interesting is we move on to point three in just a moment. We're going to see how James is like, hey, listen, that ain't going to fly. But we need to want to hear God's word and hear God's direction and then obey it. Because sometimes that's not easy. Sometimes God doesn't say do the easy thing. God says do the hard thing. Why? Because God wants you to grow, and sometimes there is more growth in the pain than there is in the pleasure. Sometimes that's just the way it works. When I was a kid, and I think we've all experienced this, we woke up at night. Why? Because my knees hurt, Grandma. My, my mom, my knees hurt. What's going on? You're having growing pains. Your body's growing. It happens. It comes with the territory. Sometimes spiritually, God will take us down into the valley because he understands that's where the flowers grow, and that's where our growth takes place. That's part of it work sometimes. That's why I said earlier, listen, listen, God's not promised you a rose garden. God hasn't promised that everything and every path he leads you on is going to be great. I think there's a pretty popular verse that we all know, that though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, that's not real flowery. That's not like, oh, goody, I bet that has rainbows and gumdrops. It's hard. But we continue on the verse, and it says, But I know you're with me. Your rod and your step, they comfort me. 
All these things work together. And all these understandings where we go, we're growing through this. We're experiencing these things. So we have to hear it and then we have to obey it. And finally, James wraps up this chapter, chapter 4, and he moves on. Wait, let me, I forgot. Let me jump back. I'm sorry. Let's talk about an example of humble dependence. Let's talk about an example of humble dependence. And this was Paul. And this was Paul. And, And Paul did it in a very interesting way. And I just, I wanted it to be simple. And I wanted it to be like where we could look at it pretty easily. And we first we look at Acts 18. And in Acts 18, he basically says this. As he left, however, he said, I will come back later. God willing. I'll come back later if God allows it. I'll come back later. I'll do that if you let me. Next, 1 Corinthians 16, 7. This time, I don't want to just make a short visit and then I'll go right on. I want to come and stay a while if the Lord will let me. If the Lord will let me. Well, what's Paul really doing here? Is Paul trying to be super spiritual? I don't believe so. I think Paul is just looking at it going, listen, my life is not my own. There are things that you may want to do. There's going to be things that I want to do. And there was things that definitely Paul wanted to do. Listen, he just says it. I don't want to just do a short visit. I want to stay a while. But I'm not going to make that decision. I'm going to let God make that decision. I'm going to let God do that. I'm going to let God lead me in those areas. Now listen, you may think that's a little silly. I'm just be honest. You may think that really Really? Is that the way it works? Yeah, it's kind of that's the way it works. God desires to lead us. And I love it here because what we're seeing here is this dependence that that Paul isn't always going to make the decision. He's going to look at the situation, use the brain that God gave him, and in his mind, he'd like to stay a while. That makes sense to him. But he's always going to let God change his plans. Okay. Let, me, let me give you a little clue in how all of this works. Okay? We're going to pull back the curtain, okay? and we're going to show you the man at the controls. Okay? We have a plan. Every service, we have a plan. John has prayed and looked at the songs. He has a plan. I have studied. I have prayed. We all have a plan. And our attitude is the same. God, wreck it if you want to. We have our plan, but God, you can wreck it. God, you can do whatever. God, you can do what you want to do. And so you better be ready for that because he'll do that sometimes. And I don't want you looking at me with your eyes wide open going, what just happened? Well, simple. We're going to let God control. We're going to let the spirit lead us, not us try to manipulate the spirit into doing what we want, how we want it done. Because God's going to do it better anyway. We are dependent on him. We have to be. We always want to be. And the final thing that he looks at, number three, as he does close out verse number four, is a challenge. So we have a caution, we have a course correction, and now we have a challenge to live according to what we know in the Lord. Look at James 17, 4.17. It says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it's sin. For him it's sin. That's a big deal. That's a big part of this that we need to understand. Jesus talks about this. He talks about it in Luke 12. And we're going to look at Luke 12 together because it's kind of an interesting story that, 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 that Jesus tells. It says, And the Lord replied, A faithful, ser- sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. Okay? And feeding them. 
if the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth. The master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant... Here's our but, okay? Here's our but. But what if the servant thinks... Okay? In one situation, in the first part of that, we see an understanding of dependence. Okay? We see this understanding of, of, I know my master's coming, I need him, I want him, I'm going to do this. But what if the servant thinks, my master won't be back for a while? I got this. And he begins beating the other servants. Partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected. And he will cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. And a servant who knows what the master wants, but isn't prepared and doesn't carry out those instructions, will be, check it out, severely punished. But someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be, only, will be punished only lightly. And this is, this is the takeaway. This is the takeaway. When someone has been given much... Much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. James mirrors this in the last part of chapter 4. With this understanding, listen, if you know to do right and you don't do it, it's sin. When you know you are to help people, when you know you are to share Christ with them, and you don't do it, it's sin. When he, see, see, here's the thing. Here, here's the thing we have to understand. Why do I want us to grow so much? Why? For a couple of reasons. Number one, because the more we know and the more we're entrusted with, check it out, the bigger the reward. The bigger the reward. Because I believe in us. I believe in you. Every single person here. I believe you are here because you aren't finished. I believe you are still on this rock because God has not looked at you and said, your time here is done. There is still things that we can be entrusted with. There are still things that he wants us to do. Things that are going to change people's lives. But listen, if we refuse to do them, if we know what's right and we don't do them, it's sin. It's a problem. It separates us from God. We have to understand that. The more we know, the more we can do, the more our master is going to be pleased with us. And that's awesome. But we also have to understand the other side of that coin. When we refuse to do that, when we look at things and we go, no, 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 I don't want to do that. That's not fun. That's not easy. That's not what God called me to do. In those moments... We're missing God's plan for us. We're missing what God's asking us to do. And to us, it's sin. Listen, let me help you with this. And I'm going to speak this out so you have no excuse, okay? So if you want to basically try to fool God, which doesn't work, by the way, put your fingers in your ears and say, la, 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 over the next couple minutes. Because I'm going to make you accountable right now. You are accountable. You should be loving people and your neighbor. The people you come in contact with, you are required to love them. Look around this room. You're required to love each other. Not not like each other, not agree with everybody all the time, but you are required by God, who is the Lord and master of our lives, to love each other, to be there for each other, to lay down our lives for each other. We are required to love God, to give him 
all we are, to love him with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, to worship him in spirit and in truth. We are God's. We are his. Listen, remember how this worked. God didn't show up and look at you and say, you will love me. You will choose me. You will accept the love and forgiveness and grace that I have offered to you. Never happened. We willingly gave it. We willingly went to Jesus and said, Jesus, I can't do this. Jesus, I can't save myself. You see, you understand why independence can be so deadly? If we live an independent life, we don't need God's forgiveness. We don't need his love. When we live a life that says, God, I don't need you. It's not just, God, I don't need you in this area. We're basically saying, God, I don't need you at all. If the worship team would come back up, we're going to close. What I like about James is James at times can give us this this little four-verse little thing that has so much depth to it. And it seems like, oh, is it really that big of a deal, Aaron? Is it really, do I really need to ask God, you know, where I should go to school? Or do I really need to ask God who I should marry? Or should I really ask God what job I should take? Or, or should I really ask God this or that or this? You know, the, the, the thing is, listen, let me help you understand this. I'm going to talk about my son. I asked my son to do things that on, on the scheme of eternity really aren't that important. Okay? I go to my, last night we were, we were at the house. We were exhausted. Because we were putting up, no, let me rephrase that, my, my, my wife was mainly putting up blinds. I was helping. I was there. We were doing it all. And, and Easton had been playing, and his room was a mess. His room was a mess. And he needed to take a bath because we, we prefer him not to smell when he comes to church. Okay? That's a good thing for all of us to remember. Okay. And I looked at my son, and I said, son, you need to go clean up your room before your bath. Now, now does that really I like things picked up, so maybe it matters to me. But does it really matter? Yeah. But here's the thing. You know what my son did? He wasn't necessarily happy about it. He wasn't like, oh, goody, let's go put things away. But he did eventually do it. Why is that important? Because there's going to be a time when I'm going to need him to obey immediately. I'm going to need him to obey right then, right in this moment. This is important, life or death. And I want him trained so he's ready. Sometimes that's what God will do. He'll ask you to turn left for no other reason but because he wants you to hear his voice, know that you heard his voice. So when it's really, really vital and it's really, really eternity stuff, you're ready to obey. You're ready to say yes to him. You're ready to understand that your life isn't your own. That you are dependent on him. Listen, you need to understand something. Dependence in God, hear me here, and get this through, we got to get this through, all, all of us, we got to get this through our skull. Dependence in God is not a birth defect. It is put there by a God that loves you. It's put there by a God that loves you. Because he knows our personality. He knows how we want to do it all on our own. You remember that time when your, your kids started to basically want to do it all? I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. That's ingrained in us. 
It's that flesh speaking out. I don't need you, God. I've got this on my own. I got the wisdom now. Remember Adam and Eve? And the problem is, is that when you think about that, that is so in contrast and so in conflict to what God's word says. His word says we need him. His word says our righteousness is filthy rags. And if we live a life of arrogant independence, we will never enjoy the life of glorious, humble dependence on a father that loves us and that's got us. Look, in some ways, our independence needs to decrease and our dependence in God needs to increase. It is okay to understand that you don't know everything. It's okay to come to grips with the understanding that God does and he's got you. God is our father. We are his children. God knows more than us. And it's okay to run to our dad and say, God, I I can't do this. One of the saddest things I always I, I, I see in people's lives at times is this stubborn arrogance that says, I don't need you, God. It's that pride that really, when you think about it, all sin comes from that, that pride. And God has something better. God has something better. So let's do this. Let's close our eyes and let's, let's begin to look at some self-evaluation stuff. And it's just a simple question. It's something simple to look at in your life. Not in the life of your spouse, not in the life of your kids, not in the life of me, in in your life, okay? Your life. Are you independent or are you dependent? Do you look at God as getting in the way of what you want? Or are you completely dependent on him? Because when you think about it, our next breath is really dependent on God. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We need him. We need him. And that is okay. We were made this way. We were were made to need Jesus. And we have to understand that. It's not a defect. It's not a problem. I remember I was talking to a guy when I was in high school or college. I can't remember which. And he looked at me and he said, you know why I hate Christianity? And I said, no, man, why? He said, it's just a bunch of people who can't make it in life and they use God as a crutch. And I went, you got it! That's exactly what Christianity is. It's a bunch of broken people who can't make it through this life that know the only way they're going to make it is Jesus. That's it! I look at him, I think he scared him. I was like, you nailed it. You're exactly right. And he goes, well, isn't that a problem? I said, how's your life going? How you handling your stuff? His head went down. I said, exactly. Look at us. Look at the world we live in. Look at history. When we're left to our own, when we're independent, when we think we can do it all, we blow it up. We mess it up. We screw it up. It's all a mess. God is the one that comes and restores. God is the one that's bringing it all back. God is the one that's making all things new. Why? Because we messed it up with our sin and our rebellion and our I can do it attitude. How about right now, we just say, you know what, God? 
I can't do this. I can't, I can't always do the right thing. I can't always say the right thing. I, 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 I can't do this. I need you. Isn't that really what brought you to Jesus in the first place? An understanding that you couldn't do it? You see, what a sick, twisted thing happens in the mind of a person is the further we get away from salvation, it seems like we think we got it. Listen, I'm going to help you with this. We don't got it any more today, necessarily, than we did when we got saved. We still need Him. Now, hopefully, we've grown. Hopefully, we've taken steps. But you know what? i got a feeling every single one of us has already messed up today. We're going to need Him, guys. We go to God continuously and get cleansed. We go to Him continuously and say, Father, I messed up. And he forgives us. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That's a beautiful thing. Forgiveness. Listen, forgiveness is not an ugly word. It's beautiful. Dependence is not an ugly word. It's a beautiful word when we're dependent on God. When we look to him. So let's look at our lives. How independent are you? How dependent are you? When you look at your spiritual life, do you, listen, put it this way. If God was removed from your life today, how would it change? Would it? Would you even miss him? Would you even know he wasn't there? In in the story of Samson, we see this horrible, horrible, terrible scripture where it says that, that Samson gets his hair cut and he gets up to fight the Philistines and he doesn't even realize that God has left him. You know why? Arrogant independence. I got it, God. I don't need to be in the right place. I don't need to do the right things. I can do what I want because I'm strong. I got it. You didn't even know. Question. Would you even even would you would you even know? How would your life be different? Would it be if God just left? Thank God he doesn't. But we got to look at our lives and see that. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray with you and over you. And then John and the worship team is going to come and lead us in a song. But listen, you need to look at this area. Just like James, I'm putting up a caution flag. Look at this. This matters. This doesn't necessarily seem like it matters all that much. It's just four verses in James. Yes, it does. It matters. You got to check this part out. Look at it and see it. See what God is saying. Because he doesn't need a bunch of independent, arrogant Christians. He needs some humble, dependent people that he can use to make a difference in this world. So Father, we come to you right now and we look at our own lives. And God, I know in my life, there are some areas that I'm pretty independent on. And God, they're usually areas that I feel like I'm pretty good at. I'm good at this. So God, I don't need you so much in that area. And that doesn't work that way. God, I need you in every area of my life. I need you in my my, my marriage. I need you in my ministry. I need you in in how I handle people. I need you in every part of who I am. I need you as, as a father. I need you as a friend. I need you in every area of my life. I need you. I can't do this without you. And when I try, I mess it up. So, Father, right now, I embrace my defect. And I don't believe it's a defect at all. But in our culture, we see it that way. But I embrace my need for you. I embrace that I can't make it through this world without you. And I wasn't created to. So, God, in every area of our lives, we look to you. In every part of our hearts, we look to you. Knowing that you are in control and you got us. 
So help us. Let that independence die so that we can instead be dependent on you. Help us, Father. We can't do it without you. We love you.